This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 158-inch. On this episode, we interview Dan Avidon and Brian Weck from the comedy music band Ninja Sex Party. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome, one or all, to episode 158-inch. Ethan, it's a very special episode today. Yes! Well, we get to talk to Ninja Sex Party. How pretty stinking majestic, Dave. Well, yeah, of course, that is pretty stinking majestic and all, but that is not what makes this episode so special. Oh, uh, are you talking about, you know, because our intern Frank finally got the results back from his allergy test? And, well, while he's totally clear, he does have a severe and deathly allergy when it comes to sauerkraut and hamsters. Well, that is pretty special, but no, that's not what makes this episode special. Oh, I give up, Dave. What makes this episode so special? Well, Ethan, episode 158 inch is your special episode because 158 is 1,832 less than the year you were born. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! Well, you better believe it. And because this episode is 1,832 less than the year that you were born, you get to make a big wish. Oh! <gasps> I wish for a hamster! Oh, sorry, Ethan. Oh, is it because I said it out loud? No, no, on podcasts you are encouraged to say your wishes out loud. Oh, oh, right. Well, is it because our intern Frank is deathly allergic to hamsters? <laughs> no, like, like that would really stop us from getting a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, what is it then? We cannot have a hamster without someone sponsoring it. Why not? Well, you know, it just wouldn't be right. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. You're right. Well, maybe you should have wished for a new sponsor for this podcast. Well, how about I see what fills up first when I wish in one hand and sh- That reminds me, before we get much further, we have a big announcement. Hooray! Our friends Alicia Bonviri and Alexis Adams have started a Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast Discord channel. It is already off to a fun, fun start. So please join us by following the link over on 2000inch.com or weirdalpodcast.com. And we'd also be remiss if we didn't mention that the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour is well underway. And we have recorded our first 14 bonus centimeter episodes reviewing and recounting each and every show we've seen on the tour. We have currently released up through episode 8 centimeter, available now for the cheapskate, I mean the general public, but our Patreon family can expect to see a whole bunch of new episodes dropping soon, plus a few exclusive secret episodes that we recorded as well. Oh, sounds like to me, we've got a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Okay, intern Frank, let's hear that message. Hey, Dave and Ethan, this is superfan Jeremy Samples. 
And since neither of you guys were able to make the May 3rd Portland, Maine concert, and since you sent intern Frank to the show, but he misread the tour schedule and ended up in Portland, Indiana instead, I had to take it upon myself to write a review. I just posted this spoiler-epic review to Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast group on Facebook. Check it out. Enjoy it. But not you, Frank. Get the tour schedule right next time. Well, thanks for the call, Jeremy. Jeremy has posted a few of his concert reviews already over in our official Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. We encourage you to go check them out. They're a ton of fun, and they'll keep you updated on what exactly is going on at these concerts. If you are interested in writing a review of a concert, please let us know in advance, and our intern Frank will send you a list of things to track and look out for. Whoa, another spatula call? Wow. All right, Frank, do your thing. Hey, Dave and Ethan, this is Allison Parsons. I'm just calling because this might be the last anyone ever hears from me. This might be the the last recording. I just saw my first show of this tour. I've been trying to stay spoiler-free, so I've been, I snoozed all my Facebook groups, and I've been, you know, I haven't been listening to your centimeter episodes. I finally saw the show. It was great, fun time. I'm coming home. I'm excited because I get to catch up on your show. And so I, I'm like three and a half hours away from my house. I got a long drive ahead of me. And so I got my GPS going. But I turned the voice off on my Google Maps so I could listen to your show because I'm so excited. And I'm just so in my head and listening to the show, and I'm not paying attention to the, the GPS. And it's not talking to me. So every time I look at it, it's I'm getting farther and farther away from my house. And, like, I don't know what state I'm in right now. I don't know. I might be in Pennsylvania. I might be in Ohio. I'm not sure anymore. But I keep going farther and farther into the night, and it gets darker and darker. And I think I might actually be on the nature trail to hell. If you guys don't see me in uh, in Canton in a couple of days, uh, just know I'm lost in the in the wilderness in the Midwest somewhere. And I just wanted to call and let Frank know that I hate him. Well, hey, Allison, thanks for the call, and I hope it's not your last call. Hopefully you you make it home safely, but regardless, the note is taken, and we have shared your sentiments with Frank. Thank you for the enthusiasm. Hopefully our ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes kept you company on the long drive home. And hopefully the coded messages within those episodes helped direct you home. Seriously? We take one episode off in over three years, and we get another message? Play the darn thing, Frank! Dave, Ethan, it's UH Jeff. I am leaving my home in Eagle Rock, California, and heading to Van Nuys to a Korean barbecue place that seems to have the Weird Al Pinball Machine, the Museum of Natural Hilarity. I'm getting in the car now. I will update you once I'm there next week. Okay, bye. Hey, UH Jeff. Definitely give us a call back and let us know all about Weird Al's Museum of Hilarity pinball game. I cannot wait to hear all about that game. And uh, be careful over at the Korean barbecue. You don't want to get any barbecue sauce or peanut butter on the flippers. Wow. I, I thought the Eagle Rock in Van Nuys was a lot closer than a week away. But, oh boy, I can't wait to hear how it all went and if they really had that special pinball machine. All right, I think we're done with all the calls, Dave. And now it's time for what's happening in Weird Al-related news. 
A brand new tour date has been announced for Weird Al's 2022, the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised Vanity Tour. This time it is in Shreveport, Louisiana on October 7th. This brings the announced total number of shows to 132 shows on this tour. Now, Weird Al and Emo Phillips have continued to repeat the claim of there being 133 shows on the tour, so we do expect that there is still at least one more date to be announced. And in speaking to Marnie Farlow, who is the touring merch coordinator, she expects that there will be updated tour shirts with a new date or dates added. If you have not picked up your tickets to the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour yet, you will want to do that soon. Yes, many of the tour dates are already sold out, including the one at Carnegie Hall in New York City. So head on over to weirdal.com tour to get your tickets right now, and maybe we'll see you on the road. A brand new trailer just dropped for the new animated short featuring podcast alumni Weird Al Yankovic, Jonah Ray, and Craig Billmeyer. Yes, the short's called That Sucks, and it chronicles the adventures of Craig's band The Love Songs. And while it does not yet have a release date, it is set to do the film festival circuit Whatever that means. And before anyone goes there, we want to address any rumors that Ethan and I will appear in this short. Who keeps starting these rumors? Well, when we have more information on That Sucks, we will let you know. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the trailer on Instagram at the.love.songs. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla, Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world plant-based real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. Our transforming robot friends from episode 80-inch, the band Cybertronic Spree, have a brand new Kickstarter up to fund an album of their original music. They've already reached their initial goal for the new album, Ravage, just hours after launching the campaign, but be sure to still support the cause to get the album along with exclusive incentives, plus to support a pretty stinking majestic band that has been on this podcast. It should be pretty easy to find how to support this Kickstarter from their website and their social media profiles. But if you get stuck, just ask us and we'll we'll help you out. All right, let's move on to what's happening in Ruben Valtierra-related news. As we mentioned on the last episode, Weird Al's longtime keyboard player Ruben Valtierra has launched a super secret club on his new website, RubenValtierra.com. Ruben's Super Secret Club offers exclusive access to secret videos, secret photos, and other great secret content. Club members also get access to secret contests, secret merch discounts, and other secret, fun, secret stuff. Ooh, I love secrets. Secretly, me too. So how does one join Ruben's Super Secret Club? Oh, let me guess. It's a secret. Oh, that is no secret, actually, Dave. Just head on over to RubenValtiera.com and click on Super Secret Club to sign up. 
a yearly membership is currently only $12. What a deal. It's totally worth it. Wow, $12. I can't believe it. You can barely purchase hamster food for that price. Well, here's another secret. Both Dave and I are already members of Ruben's Super Secret Club. Shh, tell everyone. And while you're on RubenValtiera.com, be sure to check out the news item that Ruben posted posing with Ethan wearing one of the shirts he picked up over at Ruben's Merchandise Shop. All right, now I suppose it's time for what's happening in Grammy Award-winning Jim Kima West-related news! Friday, May 6th was the release day for Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West's new full-length album, Aumakua, with Joss Jaffe. According to Kimo, the new album entered at number 36 on iTunes. Wow, that is pretty stinking majestic news. Let's keep that momentum going. Now, while there are no physical CDs currently available, Kimo encourages folks to download it on Bandcamp, as those sales can help get the album a billboard chart position. And the digital album is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite streaming service. And don't forget to sign up for Kimo's awesome newsletter at jimkimowest.com and follow him on Facebook to see awesome photos from the tour. All right, well, I'm really in the mood to party, so let's move on to this episode's interview. Dave and I are thrilled to welcome the number one comedy billboard comedy musicians that, if you're a Weird Al fan, you should either already know or need to quickly get obsessed with. Please welcome Dan Avidan and Brian Wecht of Ninja Sex Party. How's it going, guys? Hello <laughs> there. Good. Hi, thanks for having us. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most excited anyone has ever been to see me. So, I it. <laughs> well, Dave and I, we've, we've been so excited to chat with you guys. And I know a lot of our listeners have been like, you guys have to talk to Ninja Sex Party for years. So we're so glad that we're finally able to make this happen and have you guys here with us. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. I guess this is a spoiler alert, but you guys are Weird Al fans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, I mean, you can't be in comedy music and not be a Weird Al fan, right? Like, it's not even possible. He was, you know, Danny and I are just about the same age. We're both in our 40s, and he was a big part of our childhoods growing up, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember very clearly, like, holding it. When UHF came out and MTV would play the video for the theme song, (laughs) I would, um, hold up my, my, grandma's uh tape recorder to the tv and like make my own uh bootleg tapes um wow which i guess technically is piracy so maybe i shouldn't tell this story but like <laughs> it was the only way i could do it <laughs> it was the only access i had so um it was it was it, it's wild to think how long his music has been in our lives yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're just about the same age as I am. And uh, so I have to ask you, because I missed this opportunity because I was a horrible kid and I didn't take advantage of this. But did either of you get a chance to see UHF in the theater while it was out? Uh, I did. And I think I was oh. the only person in the theater. <laughs> uh, I, I can even tell you which theater is at the Oakland Twin in Oakland, New Jersey. And uh, it was some like, you know, afternoon showing or something on a weekend. Wow. And uh, yeah. And I had a like the only full sized like big movie poster I ever had was a UHF poster that was in my room for, you know, since the movie came out, I think until 
it probably stayed up even like through college or something like that because I just never took it down. But yeah, I had the big, <laughs> you know, the big UHF poster with Al's face right on it there for wow. uh, for years. So yes, I saw it in the theater for sure. Yeah, I, I uh, same. I got kicked out of the theater. Well, not not kicked out, but we were like harshly warned by the uh, <laughs> by the guy running the place. Uh, but my friend and I, we were in fourth grade, and um, we went and saw it. And at the time, it was it was just like it was exactly our type of humor, you know. And right. yep. uh, it was a type of humor that wasn't. I mean, now it, all types of humor are findable and prevalent on YouTube and the internet, but. That was before the internet as we know it. So there really wasn't a lot of places. Um, there really weren't a lot of places, I should say, where you, you could get that type of humor. And uh, when he feeds the clown the dog biscuit, that was like, I remember that <laughs> being the moment we truly lost it. Um, but I, I, I mean, I do have this very like clear memory of uh, the movie posters at the time. It was, it was Ghostbusters 2 and then the Batman with Jack Nicholson and and uhf and i just remember thinking, seeing those three and being like man one of these is not like the other yeah it hit, <laughs> it hit me at the the perfect age it, what, what year was it 88 is that right 89, 89 i think yeah 89 okay yeah so i was uh 14 and like i mean talk about the perfect perfect age for that movie uh it was just you know it, it was a big thing well and the other thing kind of to jump off what dan said was it was a movie in a real movie theater, you know, like it, it, it was like, you know, I remember I had to, you had to hunt around for Al stuff. Like, you know, you'd have to wait for the videos to come on MTV because they wouldn't happen all the time. I always missed the Al TVs when they were on mm. and it was like, I never knew, you know, the obviously no internet, never knew when he was touring, very hard to find. And, but nevertheless, mm. you know, huge fan had all the albums, all that stuff. And then when the movie came out, it was like, oh, my God, I know where Weird Al is going to be. Right. He's going to be in this theater, you know, <laughs> at 2.10 p.m. this Sunday. I'm there. <laughs> right. Uh, it was, you know, it, it felt like this guy I've been trying to see a thing from. Like, I, I go out of my way to wait for the opportunity to see. Suddenly, I just know exactly when and where it's going to happen. <laughs> See, you guys are obviously OG Weird Al fans. When did you actually first get exposed to Al and, and find his music? It, it was right around that time, uh, third or fourth grade, so 88, 89 for me. Yeah. Um, I think he uh, um, he had already been popular because of Eat It and, and Fat and all that. Yeah. Um, but it, I, think, I think my friend had a cassette tape of Dare to be Stupid. Mm. And... Um, and and that that really got me. And then we we started like going through his other tapes and found like Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung. I didn't even know what an Iron Lung was, but it was still <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and so it, I mean, it, it's yeah, it was right around that time. Also, like just as sorry to take this question and run with it, but I'm going to forget otherwise. Uh, the the I can't I can never remember his name. Anthony Geary. Uh, yeah. What's his name in the movie? Um, Philo. Philo. Thank you. Um, when he uh, when he turns into an alien at the oh, end. Terrified. Me. Yeah, scared the. <laughs> shit out of me. I'm sorry. I don't know if we're allowed to curse. Him. Uh, but it scared me in exactly the same way that La Large Marge yeah. from Pee Wee Herman scared. Uh -huh. 
Yes. <laughs> and then recently, like th- this past uh, this past couple of months, I found out that it was the same studio that did both those effects. I didn't oh, wow. know. That's wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's we we can thank all of our nightmares to to one <laughs> to one group of people. To, to both moments where, upon watching the movies a second time, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and UHF, I knew when to turn away from the screen. Yes, like so as to avoid seeing it. Uh, for for me to answer the question, I because I'm a couple years older than Dan, I went back a little earlier, uh, and for me it was definitely Eat It. That was my first like oh wow okay. exposure to to Al. So I was yeah. I would have been whatever nine or so at the time, and uh, I remember getting in 3D on cassette. I used to I used to have this thing where whenever I took a shower, uh, but this is not going to get gross by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I I want I wanted to listen to music, so I had a little boombox, and I would just be you know 90 percent of the time it was an owl cassette and usually in 3d so i have a very clear memory of listening to nature trail to hell in the shower <laughs> i love that it would you yeah, sing along yeah. to uh to the, the weird owl tapes in the shower of course of course i would okay yeah, good sure. <laughs> i love it so I guess just to, to go into actual ninja sex party lore, when did you guys actually meet? Was that back in New Jersey? You want to take this one, Brock? Sure. Uh, it was, we were both living in New Jersey at the time. So this was 2009 that we met, but we met in the comedy scene in New York, like uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, UCB, mm-hmm. and the pit um, through mutual friends uh, in those scenes. So I was coaching... Uh, musical improv because I'd been doing improv stuff and musical improv stuff and I was coaching groups and uh, a person one of the groups I was coaching knew Danny and connected us basically gave Danny my info and was like hey or Dan what was the deal you asked her this is Julie Julie Katz who's in our video the decision uh, for those of you who know what that is and what was the deal she asked you if you knew any pianists well I asked her because I had um I had been a, oh, sorry. Uh, That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 No worries. I, I had been a musician for maybe like uh, eight years by that point and uh, didn't find m- much luck. And um, so I went into comedy to kind of like take a breather from it. Um, and that's right around the time when Flight of the Concords got big and oh, cool. Lonely Island. popular. Yeah. Yeah. And and those groups and Tenacious D, too. They, they made me realize like, oh man, comedy music can be like actually really excellent music. Um, yeah. And I, I figured, you know, maybe that's something I could try. So I started asking people in my improv classes and groups if they knew any, um, any comedy musicians. And Brian was the first person I was referred to. And here we are uh, <laughs> almost like 14 years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was definitely through that, through the comedy scene in, in New York. And then we met and just kind of clicked immediately and started writing stuff originally to be performed live at, you know, comedy shows, but then very quickly started making YouTube videos. Cause this was just, so YouTube was not brand new, but it was starting to really like get big and we were like, oh wow, we can probably release more release reach more than five people in a theater 
you know, by putting out a video <laughs> on the internet. Because uh, right. needless to say, at the start, you know, we, <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, wow, sold out shows, you know. It was like, well, hopefully people show up. Right. And uh, <laughs> so we quickly started making videos and saw uh, a, a much wider reach from those. What was the uh, inspiration behind going with the Ninja Sex Party name and uh, as well as, you know, the type of music that the Ninja Sex Party does? Um, the Ninja Sex Party name was originally just, you know, I had there were a bunch of bands that I'd loved growing up that um, I saw suffer from having a name that wasn't eye catching. Um, like there, there was, and these aren't comedy bands, these, but there was one called South uh, and there was one called On, like mm. great bands, but how would you ever find them you right. know, if you right, put those right. in Google? So I sort of learned that like you need to have, I guess there wasn't really the, the term search engine optimization <laughs> at the time, but like, that's, that's what it is. You, you know? cracked the code. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, by, by accident. Um, and so I just wanted something that like, stuck out and it was it just seemed like a silly fun thing but there wasn't really a strong concept behind it um and then when i met brian um i asked him if he would mind you know being a piano playing ninja that doesn't talk <laughs> to people on stage and he was way into it i was way um, into it <laughs> yeah which was great and and then and then from there like I needed to have a character that would, you know, kind of balance that out by being really flamboyant, you know? So I ended up right. being, you know, this Jewish superhero with no powers and, and that, that was, it just like grew from there. Yeah. There, there was a lot of, you know, I, we knew pretty early on uh, just cause we thought it would be funnier that we wanted to do a character based thing. You know, all of our, uh, comedy music heroes, uh, Al, Flight of the Concords, Lonely Island, Tenacious D, they're playing heightened versions of themselves, right? Yeah. Um, but we, these characters, like, you know, once, once you have a ninja right there, it's like, well, that, that, that's not me, <laughs> you know? So, right. <laughs> uh, one of the things that was the most exciting to me from the get go was, oh, we can do comedy music, but make it, character driven you know so it's not just that it, the opportunities for comedy are not just in the lyrics to the songs it's also in who are these characters what would they be doing what's funny for them as opposed to just generically funny although certainly we do have songs that have nothing to do with the characters uh the thing that i remember at the time thinking like maybe after a few months of doing oh oh this is actually what we're doing is oh i really want to do like character driven stuff that's funny from that perspective as well as a, as a wider one. Mm -hmm. It helped a lot because like one of the toughest things for me in comedy and I don't, it's not my forte and I don't know how people do it, but like what people who write their own comedy sketches and um, uh, comedy bands where like every song is just a new thing. Um, that's really tough. It's really me. hard. Yeah. yeah. Like to, to start with like a completely blank slate every time. Um, whereas like with these characters, it was kind of like world building, the more songs you make. Yep. Um, and you could make references to previous um, songs and jokes that you had made. And people would think, Oh, that's a, 
clever callback rather than these guys are freaking hacks who can't pick up new ideas. <laughs> well, and, and and by making the videos, we found a lot of the character stuff in the process of making the videos. So by basically every song we have, we made a music video out of, you know, in the process of making those, we could be like, oh, I guess this is a, this is the way Danny walks. You know, this is like a Ninja Brian kind of thing to do. We did have a live stage show that we were doing at the same time, but that was like 25, 30 minutes or something. Not a lot of room for character development. So in making the Mm -hmm. videos, that was a, that was a big part of it too. For sure. How would you say that you were, both of your fandom of Weird Al influenced Ninja Sex Party uh, in the early stages? Uh, well, let me think. I mean, other than just being the, like, I hope to someday be <laughs> as successful as Al, you know, do, right. doing this kind <laughs> right. of thing. Um, uh, let's see. Do I have anything intelligent to say about this? I th- there was definitely <laughs> stuff like, I mean, we would say to each other, like, uh, you know, oh, I bet. I would think this was funny. This wasn't like all the time, but occasionally it'd be like, oh, maybe someday we could get to show this to Al. I bet he'd like this kind of stuff. We, it, it, I mean, that it would be vastly overselling it to be like, we're writing this because we think it's an Al kind of thing. We never really did that. Right. No, that, that makes thing. sense. But I, I tell me if you agree with this, Danny. I do remember occasionally saying, oh, man, I bet if we sent this one to Al, he'd really like it. Well, yeah. I mean, I do remember thinking like if if we ever get to show this to the people we look up to um, and they like it, we'll, we'll kind of feel like, okay, that's, you know, we, we sort of made it in, in, in a way. Um, I think to answer your question, like for me, at least, I think a lot of, um, a lot of entertainment is very vain and very like, Mm -hmm. I have to look great at all times from every angle and weird Al, kind of helped me learn at an early age that there's no vanity in comedy, you know, like <laughs> he, he's, he was always like throwing himself into things. And like, I'm, I can't remember what happens in UHF, but doesn't his face get mashed into a grease fryer or something like that? Oh no, no. He gets rolled over by the stone. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean like just the, the, the willingness and the joy in like, looking ridiculous and not taking yourself too seriously. Um, that was a big thing too. Cause you know, you're, you're gonna, uh, feel a little humiliation at some point, you know, dancing around in spandex as <laughs> I do. So like, it's better to just not care too much. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, another thing that, that I thought about a lot was, you know, all of Al's stuff sounds amazing. Like they are incredible musicians, yeah. Alan his band. Yeah. And although, you know, when we first started out, we had pretty limited means, but it was like, okay, this is, it's very aspirational. I want to eventually have this band sound like that sound like quote unquote, a real band. And Al was a very, very good example uh, of how you could do that with a full band. You know, a lot of the other, people doing comedy music at the time Danny and I were talking about, you know, like Lonely Islands, Flight of the Con- uh, Lonely Island, excuse me, uh, Flight of the Concords. It, it's more limited stuff, um, but we always wanted to have a full band. And it's like, okay, no, it can sound good. Listen to Al's record. Like, they sound great. So it was very aspirational from just a purely musical 
perspective. Right. Like a gold standard hmm. to, to look up to. Yeah. Right. And one more thing I thought of while you were saying that was uh, the, the, the joy in being smart and stupid at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, like well, <laughs> so many of Al's songs are ridiculous um, and also freaking genius at the same time. Like <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why hardware store comes to mind, but like, <laughs> like w- when he gets into that part where he's just like listing these things and it's perfectly like metered out and, and like, just from like a poetry standpoint, it's really, really excellent. Um, yeah. That, that, that stuff is, uh, is really cool to me. Um, yeah. Just like, dumb subject matter explored in the most intelligent way possible yeah and you know another thing that that i'll say uh which is i think a lesson uh that we we learned from al is to to try to make things somewhat timeless you know there, there there's a lot of right uh topical comedy out there of course you know a lot of political commentary and that sort of thing but you know you can listen to al's first album and it's still funny and there's still stuff on it that relates to, you know, anyone in any time period. So uh, we would occasionally be like, oh, should we make, you know, should we write a song about, I don't know, Twitter or something? And and Danny, I remember you saying this uh, to me very explicitly a, a bunch of times. It's like, no, that's just going to date it. We want to be broader mm. and, and, and not pin ourselves to any particular era with references. And that's something I think Al does really well. Yeah, I mean, things things feel like they're going to last forever in the moment. Um, and then a year later, you're like, oh, really? Why would we, you know, right. do anything like that? And honestly, the only the only things that I can think of of his that are quote unquote dated are, are the polkas because of the, the music that they're doing. Like that, you know, if, if he's trying to think of. Uh, the, like the one that has ice ice baby you're like okay that's got to be 1990 or 91 or whenever it was so it, right. but that's the only time and uh i, I think he's been very smart maybe it's more of a time capsule than being dated too because you yeah. sort of can get into that 90s mindset when you yeah. listen to one of those songs that's exactly the word. i couldn't think of another word for it but yeah that, there's no negative connotation behind it like it's it's it just really is like um he was always very smart to never uh, uh, paint himself into a corner like that. Yeah. And even some of the earlier polkas, I mean, you guys, I forget exactly which one, but does polkas on 45 has like smoke on the water in it, right? <laughs> right. Like, you know, the, he's already pulling from yeah. older songs, even in the stuff he's doing in the in the early 80s, early mid 80s. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys have released well over 50 music videos. How has Al influenced your music videos you know because he's obviously a king of music videos in in my opinion it has, has his influence uh, affected your video style at all I, it, not in any way that i can really put my finger on i mean i'm sure we think about like you know comedy videos and uh his uh you know his, his contributions to them uh so many of his videos are of course parodies of the original videos too and we're not you know we're, we're exclusively originals right. except for the ones that are covers right. so we don't have anything really to base it off of but we've tried you know okay okay here, here's one way i can think of when he was doing um uh was it mandatory fun where he did like a video every day for a week is that right yep something like that there were a bunch of those where i was like 
Oh, that animation rules. We got to reach out to that guy. It's oh, cool. For a, you know, and, and, and oh, very cool. I, don't, I don't think any of these actually ended up happening, but there, there are a few explicit ones, which now that we're in the industry and can maybe make contact with some of these people, I was like, oh, we should try to do a video, you know, in that animation style. But more broadly, I, I don't know, Danny, I, I can't think of any very specific ways in which the, the Al videos influenced us. Yeah, I think it's more like just the spirit of silliness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just uh, because the the band I had immediately before NSP was sort of like a down tempo electronic thing, and it was is very moody and heavy. And I, I found like you, you spend so much time on your music, you know, um, like in a little studio working on stuff that what you're working on tends to like affect your mood or at least kind of. It's a lot of like headspace dedicated to that particular uh, mindset. So um, when NSP started, uh, it was really joyous, you know, to like be thinking about this goofy stuff all the time. And uh, the, the the videos were just sort of an extension of that, where it's like, let's just have fun and try to pack as many stupid jokes into this as we can. <laughs> and, um, you know make it really colorful. I think that was another thing that um, sure. Al's videos had that uh, I thought was, they're just fun to look at, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was, that, that was, uh, I think mostly, it was more of like a generalized kind of feeling. Yeah. And we also, I mean, we, you know, when we started out, we had no money and no budget. So we were doing these like run and gun shoots around New Jersey and New York and, you know, we didn't have a lot of, like, we would think things out, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, and then the UFO lands, you know, it, like, <laughs> we, we had a pretty li limited capacity to to make things. Uh, we were lucky to find this guy, Jim Turner, who directed, you know, our first, what, 20 or something videos, Dan, something like that. Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and could work with us on that. But then the fun part has been as we, you know, as we are now in year 14 of being this band together, uh, the productions have steadily kind of increased in production value. We're able to do a lot more with animation. Uh, you know, we recently, just about a year ago, put out a full 12-minute, like, fantasy epic that's half animated in, like, a super, you know, by a super pro animation studio, stuff like that. So it's been fun to run the gamut from the beginning like oh my god how are we ever going to make a video to all right we actually we're doing we're on a sound stage and we're shooting it here <laughs> i want to ask you guys about your um you've got three under the covers albums where you you cover songs and i was wondering would you ever consider covering weird al or even another comedy song i don't think so uh, we, we've occasionally talked about this but it's you know, our, our our instincts are always for those cover albums just to do the straight ahead covers. You know, some of the some of the songs have a bit of, you know, they might be a bit arch or something like that. But I don't know. I, I personally would not gravitate towards just doing a cover of another comedy band's or artist's work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like we'd just be doing the lamer version of that, yeah. the awesome <laughs> one that came first. Yeah, totally. And so I also wanted to ask you about your other album, Level Up, where you you went back to your back catalog and you recreated those songs. And that's something that I know has kind of been 
discussed in the Weird Al fan community about like, wow, it'd be really cool to hear, you know, some of the earlier Al songs done with a full band, you know, as a, you know, to sound like the original as opposed to the accordion. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? And, and you know, how did you make that decision to look at a, a, an original recording of a song, which, you know, is essentially then, do, are you breaking the sacredness of the original recording by doing that? I guess you call it level up, but I, I would love to hear the the thought behind doing that. Yeah, it was kind of the opposite of breaking the sacredness because for a lot of those early songs, we wanted them to be big guitar driven rock drum, awesome kick-ass epics. Yeah. Uh, but we couldn't do it because we didn't know any guitar players or drummers. <laughs> so like, if, if anything, we were breaking the sacredness of them with the first versions. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think, I don't know how we came to discuss it, Brian, but like for, oh, for me, the, the first idea of it came when, um, I don't know if you guys are old school, like Nintendo players. Of course. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys ever played Contra, um, mm-hmm. there was, uh, there's a video online of, um, you know, a, a lot of these, metal guitarists will play uh, awesome updated covers of various video game songs. And one of them uh, did a a cover of the Contra song and uh, someone took it and did an interview with the original Japanese composer of the, uh, of the video game. Oh, cool. And yeah, it was great. And you can see it on, on his face. He's like, Oh, awesome. And he's speaking through a translator, but the gist was, he was like, this is what I always heard in my head. We just didn't, we were just using tiny MIDI samplers and stuff. Wow. Um, so, so it was a little bit like that, you know, it, we just, um, it, it was less like, let's change this thing, which uh, was meant to be this first way as a, uh, as opposed to like, let's make it sound the way we always wanted it to be in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it, it, it just, just to put some context here for people who don't know in our first uh, three albums, the music is uh, this, the, the non-vocal music is almost entirely digital. So I was just doing that on, uh, on logic. We occasionally hire people for a part here and there, but generally speaking, it's all digital instruments. Um, which is actually kind of to get back a question you guys get back to a question you guys asked before a big part of the reason our sound became very synth heavy is because those sounded good <laughs> when done digitally. Right. And I could write synth stuff in logic and have it sound actually good as opposed to like, you know, a like crappy violin or something, which just would never sound, you know, that you could buy the expensive patches, but I didn't have money for it. <laughs> and so it's like, Oh, we can actually make synth stuff sound good. Let's do a lot of synth stuff, which we loved anyway. So I think originally we were kind of genre agnostic, but as we kept writing, uh, it, that that's the stuff that ended up happening. Um, with with Level Up, first of all, I don't think we could have set ourselves up harder for I liked your old stuff better than by doing covers of our old songs, <laughs> like it, you know, which we fully knew <laughs> going in. Uh, I, I, I do love the original versions of those songs. You know, I think they're, we made them with what we had available to us at the time and we made them 
the way we wanted them to be. Like a lot of thought and care went into those. But we've been talking about so so we work with this band TWRP, uh, amazing uh, Canadian uh, group, uh, four guys. It's uh, bass, drums, guitar, and the guy who does guitar and talk box. And we'd been working with them for a long time. And, you know, it just we, we kept saying and we kept hearing from the fans, too. Oh, man, wouldn't it be great to hear, you know, hear uh, Torp do some of the old stuff. And so we were writing uh, stuff for a new album. And then COVID hit. And it was like and, and we knew we had a, a an original album coming out that year. And it was like, oh, my God, like we're not going to be able to be in the same room with our producer, Jim Roach, to write new stuff in order to have an original album next year. And then we had the idea. It's like, well, wait a minute. Actually, maybe this is our chance to do this thing we've been talking about that's been on the back burner for years. Let's do the level up. Because we don't really, it's just arrangement. It's not new songwriting. And arranging is not easy, but it's way easier than writing a new song. Right. (laughs) So uh, it was like, okay, this seems like a sign that if we're ever going to do this level up thing, and I think we'd had that title even for a few years at that point. Uh, it's like, now's the time. Let's get in the studio and and do it. And so in, I can't remember exactly when we did I think it was August 2020. So it wasn't like early days of the pandemic, but it was, you know, pre-vaccines and stuff. Got everybody tested, you know, just made sure we were as safe as possible and went to uh, Sunset, Sta- Sunset Sound here in L.A. and recorded the 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 album there essentially so it was also a an excuse slash opportunity to do this project that we've been wanting to do for a while was the pandemic helpful for you guys to write new stuff as well no not at all (laughs) because we 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 write now with our producer jim roach and it's just the magic happens when we're all in person and so it 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 like it has been harder to write stuff uh, in the pandemic and it was so nice. like we've been together now we've done a few writing sessions with him and I remember the first one back was just like oh yes finally so it's been <laughs> actually much harder given the way we we typically write uh, which is all three of us in the same room uh, to do that during the pandemic I mean we're still like we have we're well into I mean more than half done with uh, a new original album so it's like it's absolutely happening but it has been you know, it definitely, we weren't writing a lot in the pandemic. Got it. Okay. I'm curious to hear about, you guys have some side projects and stuff like that. And I guess the first one I wanted to ask about is Starbomb. This is the second band. Uh, and my understanding is it's no longer a band anymore. It was like a, a temporary thing. Well, I mean, we, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Like, Okay. We okay. Have, we have, is that an so, announcement I mean, here? What, what do you want? <laughs> Dan, Dan, Danny, what do you want to say about this? Well, I'll say that. So, well, okay. First, a little, a little background. Starbomb. Um, I, the reason. Well, I shouldn't say the reason, but like one thing that really helped NSP get its footing was that um, I, f- I fell ass backwards into this uh, YouTube channel uh, called Game Grumps, where we play video games every day and just talk over them. Uh, kind of like mystery science theater 3000, but with video games and <laughs> right. um, that had a built in audience that really loved NSP and uh, helped stabilize the band big time. And so uh, 
my comedy partner on the Game Grumps show, Aaron, uh, actually surprisingly has some rapping ability. And um, we thought it would be funny if we just kind of pooled all our resources um, as a side project and made this uh, this band called Starbomb, which writes songs about video game characters uh, in adult situations, uh, shall we say. So, so some, some more adult than others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so we made one album and uh, we were like, that was really dumb and fun. And uh, it, connect- it connected with people. So we made a second album. And after that, we were like, okay, this band is done. Like we can't, uh, how many songs can people really want it in this vein? You know? Um, so we took a couple years off and then we thought, you know, maybe we'll make a third album. And so we did that. And again, people were there for it. And afterwards we were like, all right, that's gotta be it. You know, like we're in our forties. We cannot, indefinitely write songs about Mario having sex with Princess Peach. We just can't do it. <laughs> but it turns out there are other people for Mario to have sex with. So Yeah. And so here we are and it looks and it looks like album four might uh end up happening down the line. Wow. We're talking about it. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. yeah. And so it's the band that will not die. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing that that kind of spurred the recent discussion is we just put out a, a vinyl box set for that album uh, for that band. And like we we made we had no idea if anyone was going to show up for it, because, again, it's been years since the last album. It's like, does anyone care about this band anymore? The box sets did pretty well. And we were like, oh, actually, I guess people still like Starbomb. Like maybe there's, you know, there's still an audience here. So, uh, you know, it, it, we had this thing recently that convinced us the fans were still there for it too. That's so, so cool. And by the way, this is this, you know, asked, is this an announcement? It's not quite an announcement, but it's an announcement that we're thinking about having an announcement. Okay. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> we want to alert the media. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but th- that band, that band is really fun. It's like for me musically, you know, it's almost all uh, like hip hop stuff. A few not uh, a few songs aren't, but generally it's just like, you know, beats and stuff. And that's w- which we occasionally do with NSP. But uh, it's it's a fun muscle to stretch musically. Yeah, we, we just we just like doing stuff, you know, right. um, yep. to, to wildly oversimplify it. And like we're we're aware that usually people's careers have shelf lives and um, certainly singing is a perishable skill, you know? Um, So we just want to like take advantage of this window while it's there and just do as much stuff as possible um, that we can look back on and, you know, be proud of and have fun. And uh, I mean, to be honest, at least with NSP, I never imagined the window would be this long, you know? Oh, dude. I I was just thinking when I moved out to L.A. in 2015, which is seven years ago now, I was having a meeting with like a financial planner. And he's like, so what's your income going to be for the next few years? And I'm like, well, I'm in this band and I think it's got two more years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, if, if we're lucky, maybe five. And here we are seven years later. Wow. And 
arguably, yeah. you know, the band is more popular than it's ever been and it's still going strong. And it's just like, I think to myself all the time, how, how, how did we get so lucky as to have this thing, which is such a, such a dream come true. You know, we get to have not only a career in the arts, but a career in comedy music, the stuff that I was obsessive over as a child and still am. Right. Like I'm almost like tearing up thinking about this, but uh, the, like (laughs) what did I do to get so lucky to be able to do this for a living? It it really is. I I, I don't understand uh, (laughs) how it happened, but I'm just, I'm so grateful that it, it did and continues to, like Danny was saying, give us the opportunity to try, you know, weird, fun things uh, that are, you know, give ourselves new challenges and just try new stuff. Yeah. And to, and to bring it back to Weird Al, since, you know, this is a Weird Al podcast, like, oh, yeah, he, that's okay. that's another thing. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> that, that, that is another thing, you know, his longevity. And and when you go to yes. his concerts now, you see multi-generational fans, you know, oh, yeah. um, parents with their kids and all, all that kind of stuff. And maybe even at this point, like grandparents with, with their oh, 100%. grandkids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's so, yeah, it, it's amazing, and it, and it's also a good a good example of like um, someone who uh, never let up and never stopped doing what he loved doing, but also never let the quality drop. You know, hundred yeah. um, percent. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at his albums now, and they're they're exactly as good as well, I shouldn't say exactly as good. They're in they're in many ways better than they were. Uh, 30 years ago. And, and that, that really speaks to the person um, behind the music. And uh, that as much as anything else is um, really, really inspirational. Cause a, a lot of my favorite bands um, rush being my favorite. They're, they're another example, same guys for like 40 years. And it's just like, they realize like, okay, we've got this very unique thing where you got the tiger by the tail, you know, like, and now the whole goal is just to never let go, never slack and um, just hold on as long as you can, because, uh, you know, it's 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 just a, a once in a lifetime thing and you don't want to blow it. Yeah. And it's the easiest thing in the world to become a quote unquote legacy act where right. I shouldn't say the easiest thing in the world. If you have the audience. Right. The easiest thing is to just do what you were doing. Right. You know, you go see the same show you could have seen 20 years ago, except everyone's 20 years older. Yep. What, one of the things that I admire so much about Al is he's not doing that. You know, did the, or the no strings attached or the strings attached was it the orchestral tour. Yep. Uh, yep. What was the name of it? Right. Was it strings attached? Strings attached. Strings um, attached. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what an amazing move to like, to do this tour, like it, it, you know, to actually do something so different and a full tour with that, with that, uh, with yeah. that full orchestra and, you know, the tour that he did before the strings attached and is doing this year, the more like, uh, acoustic-y kind of thing, let's just say is very inspirational for, mm. uh, an upcoming NSP tour. Very cool. Where when we were thinking about what could we do differently uh, that, you know, I was like, well, I saw this amazing Al show and that would be fun to try something like that. You know, I, I love that he's a guy who keeps taking chances and doing different stuff. Now, while we're on the topic of this weird Al, <laughs> you, you guys, 
uh, you got to tell me, uh, Dan, uh, and I don't know if this is when you were, were working on Game Grumps, Brian, but you got to tell me about when Weird Al was on Game Grumps. Yeah, that was rad. He was uh, he was super nice. Brian was there. You were Brian yeah. was in the building. Oh, yeah. It was like that. That was part of the the, you know, his coming to the office was like to he agreed to chat with the me and Dan for a bit and then be on Game Grumps and you know like could not have been a kinder sweeter guy and it was it was just lovely to to meet him yeah yeah super funny uh very down to earth um very normal like you know and and i mean that in the the best most complimentary way possible um whenever anyone has been living in the spotlight for decades um I can think of no easier thing than to just lose your mind completely. <laughs> um, Cause it's just, it wears on you. And <laughs> he's just clearly like, he's a very like just lovely person and uh chill down to earth guy. And um, so that was really cool. And, and it was cool too, because with the format of game grumps, you're, you're playing a video game Um while sitting on a couch with someone for a couple of hours. So there's no, there's no real awkward pauses in the conversation or anything like that. Cause you have the game to talk about and concentrate on. Right. And th- there's, no, there's no time to think like, Oh my God, I'm talking to, you know, a- anything like that because <laughs> right. <laughs> you're just, your mind is occupied elsewhere. Um, and it's, it's a strangely really comforting way to get to know somebody um because you you go on like a little video game adventure with them right and uh so by the end of those couple of hours like you know it really felt like oh man we got in some good like quality hang time and (laughs) the conversation got a little deeper than just the surface hello how are you and um right it it was just it was moving that he knew who we were and that uh, he liked what we were doing. And that's really all like um, yeah. we wanted to hear, you know, uh, like it was just like, oh, cool. We we did good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just imagine what that feels like. Right. The the guy who you've been looking up to for so many years is like, yeah, I know your stuff and it's great. I was like, Oh my God, what, what is happening? It was, it was very, it really, it was really, it really meant a lot to, to both of us. Yeah. And a, a nice thing too, is that um, like, we don't think of ourselves as famous people, but like within a certain circle, you know, it, it's, it's, it can get pretty intense. And right. um, when you're on the other side of it, you, let me put it this way. When I, when I was growing up, I thought if I met a quote unquote famous person, the thing that they would like the most was if I made a huge deal about them. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you're, so you know, like, you're a God on earth, you know? And then when you get on the other side of it, you realize like, oh, I don't like that at all. Like, I would much rather someone just be like, hey, uh, you know, I enjoy your stuff yep. and a handshake and on with your day, you know? And so it was cool that we got to meet someone like him after experiencing the other side of what that interaction feels like, because it allowed us to be a lot more like, okay, this is just another human being and they want to just be treated normally. And uh, it allowed us to relax a little bit more. And 
and as a result, you know, it, it, it went well and we've stayed in touch and yep. uh, it's just, a, it's just a cool thing. It's incredible. For sure. Very cool. When you're recording like an episode of Game Grumps, did you give Weird Al like a choice of which video games he would be playing or did he have any insight into that or did you just throw the video games at him? How does that work? I think, I think we played Wheel of Fortune with him because, um, uh, that's just a very good game for someone. It's a weird format, you know, of, of that show. And right. But everyone knows how to play wheel of fortune and it, it's the pacing's good and you can like work out puzzles together. And there's a lot of like gaps to talk and say funny stuff. So I think we started uh, with that one and then we ended up playing a weird Japanese uh, <laughs> game called my mom. Yeah. Um, purely because <laughs> right. I think just because his ride wasn't showing up for like another 20 minutes and we had time to kill and <laughs> we were like I bet he didn't play this totally bizarre <laughs> thing uh, so that that were, that really was it but not, but not too much thought went into it yeah mm. okay now something that we learned about Al um, when we interviewed him and sort of through some interviews he did during the pandemic is that he himself is actually quite a gamer knowing that he, you know, is playing Grand Theft Auto and God of War and stuff like that. Um, if he came back, would you present him maybe with some different games? Oh, sure. I mean, if he came back, it would be a much different dynamic, you know, because now there's a familiarity there. And the, like, you know, I said we we didn't make a big deal out of it, like outwardly, but inwardly <laughs> we were losing our <laughs> So I'm I'm sure I'm and I'm sure you can attest to this too, Brian. Like, um, if we get a chance to hang out with him again, uh, it'll be a lot more like chill all oh, the yeah. way around. No, it's yeah. like now, now this is you know a person we know, uh, you know, not like best friends or anything like that, but like it's a person that, as Danny said, there's a familiarity with, and it would be a you know it'd be more like hanging out with a friend than like. Oh my God, we're meeting this guy for the first time. <laughs> well, I, I've met Al dozens of times, and I don't know if that ever goes away. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm sure it would be there to some extent because he's been such a big part of our lives. But yeah, it's it's really a matter of like whether you let your mind go there. You know, like if if you just concentrate on the human being that's sitting in front of you, then it's totally chill. But yep. like if you start thinking like oh wow that's right the, this thing he did that and he did that you know that then like, like spiral a little bit yeah but it's it, it, I, I will say give, you know given the one time we've actually seen him in person uh or hung out with him in person it's you know he's certainly is is very comfortable like he's not one of those people that's like putting himself at a, at a distance and anything like that like it, it's as danny said it's all you know in, in your own head. Right. <laughs> so he's, he's a very, you know, it, it, it was a very comfortable uh, kind of experience. I'm sure it would be again. Yeah. He's mellow. I mean, in a sense, yeah. like it, it could have been weird for him too. Cause <laughs> oh, totally. as, as exciting as it was for us to meet him, like we were still the group and he was the one person meeting 25 people simultaneously, oh, yep. you know? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, right. I mean, he didn't just meet us. He met, like, all of our employees and all the people in the building and everything uh, at first. And then um, 
then we recorded separately. Uh, but you know, that's, I'm sure that's something that, uh, he's gotten more used to over the years, but I don't know if any human being ever really gets totally used to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I just want to, t- uh, take you guys back to, you know, your, your childhood, I guess you were 10 years old or 14 year old or wherever you first discovered Weird Al. What was, uh, your reaction to actually getting to meet Weird Al? You know, thinking back as the little 10 year old or 14 year old child, you know, getting how would they have reacted had they known that all those years later you'd be working with Weird Al? Oh, I mean, my my 10 year old self would have been like overjoyed. You know, the the well, I I was a pretty shy kid. So I think if I had had the opportunity to meet Al when I was 10, I would have I wouldn't have been able to handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the cool thing was like actually getting to, to tell him some of that stuff, you know, um, because sure. the, I, I can't remember too much of the conversation, but I definitely remember mentioning that in, in fourth grade, uh, my friend Josh and I, for our school talent show, we performed dare to be stupid. Wow. And, um, mm-hmm. yes, we did not win. Oh, uh, we were, what? yeah, I, I know hard to believe You're there wrong. were seven acts and there was a top five, and we did not make it into the top <laughs> what? five. What? Oh, no. <laughs> I know. That's so really funny. I, I demand a recap. But, but that's the thing. Right. Thank you. And so that's the funny thing about um, situations like that, because I, I clearly remembered having a, a heated debate with um, my buddy Josh over who would get to um, – say the mashed potatoes can be your friends line. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that was our favorite. And yeah. And and the 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 idea that I guess 30 years later I would get to tell Weird Al that exact thing yeah. and have him be like, that is ridiculous and like laugh about it. It it was just it was it was so cool and and still feels kind of like surreal when you when you talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah oh my gosh before we go i I, you guys have so many different projects and i you know i feel like we need hours and hours to get to all of them but if you could briefly you guys each have kind of your own side side projects i know we've already talked about a couple side projects but dan you have a new band shadow academy and brian you've got a uh, like a children's music band go banana go i would love for you both to at the same time tell us about that uh, or, or maybe take turns. <laughs> Danny, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, Shadow Academy is, uh, is, is my return to quote unquote, uh, normal music. <laughs> well, that's not true. It's not normal, but, but like non-comedic music. Um, and, uh, my biggest love in music outside of comedy music is, uh, progressive rock from like the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and alternative rock from like the early nineties. So, um, shadow Academy is kind of a band that melds those two things together. And we released our first album. It's self-titled, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, um, have a, put a couple of animated videos out there. And, uh, it's just a huge, um, check mark off the old bucket list you know and uh and 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 it's wonderful just that like i get to i get to do both of those 
things, you know, because the funny thing is when, when we started NSP, I asked Brian, um, what genre of music would you like our band to be? And he said, I, I think it should just be, it should change from song to song because I would, I would get bored just doing one genre. I was like, Oh my God, I never even thought of that. And, <laughs> and that's, that's how NSP has been for a long time. Um, but for me, like I, I also always wanted to be in just a, a rock band. And um, so shadow Academy kind of scratches that itch. And now I'm pretty happy. So thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> of course. That's incredible. And w- with go banana go, uh, it's so it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a kid's band. So we, <laughs> with these two projects, Danny and I each have the same partner, albeit in, uh, <laughs> in different projects, which is our NSP's right. producer, Jim Roach. Uh, so shadow Academy is Dan and Jim go banana go is me and Jim. And, uh, so Jim, Jim, uh, like me as a father and we were in the studio a couple of years back talking about NSP stuff and we both were like, Oh man, we should do a kid's band. And it was like, well, we actually, we should do that with each other. Uh, <laughs> and so we started writing kids songs and it's been really fun. It is, it, it, it took us a while to realize what it was, but it turns out it's a kid's comedy band. It's like, uh, I, for whatever reason, I'm constitutionally incapable of writing non-comedic music i just i can't do it i guess um and yeah so we now with that band we just put out our second full-length album uh last week and we have an ep that we did with flula borg uh some people might know him he's a really funny german comedian uh that actually danny uh danny and i did a single with uh, a few years back and yeah it's like it's just opportunity to make fun you know, ridiculous music for children. Half the song titles come from our kids. And it's like, <laughs> you know, with NSP, we agonize over these songs, like fine tuning jokes. Could this word be funnier? Could that word be funnier? Right, right. Maybe, you know, blah, blah, blah. With Go Banana Go, it's like, I don't know, dinosaur in a supermarket. Yeah, cool. Okay. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, you, we're, we're, it's a lot of like first thought, best thought in a good way. Uh, kind of stuff so it's so much fun to make that music and my, my main impetus and jim's main impetus too was to make children's music that's not annoying and you know is something that uh is, is such a cliche but it really is what we we're going for uh parents would actually want to hear right as well right right and yeah i, I, I love that project and it's also like you know I, I love my daughter my daughter audrey who's just about to turn eight but uh, for pretty obvious reasons, I can't play a lot of ninja sex party stuff for her. It's not, right. you know, like, it's not like right. I'm going to play everybody shut up. I have an erection for my kid. Uh, so the other thing is this gives me an opportunity to write music that is like literally for her and not only for her, but that involves her as well. She sings on a bunch of the songs as do Jim's kids. It is like this thing I can point to. I can play it in the car and not have to, loudly sing over certain words that show up in the lyrics uh you know to shield her 
tender young years. I'm so glad that's where you went with that statement, Brian, because when you started off a sentence with, I love my daughter, Audrey, but I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> it's, I can't even tell you, dude, how many times we'll be like listening to music in the car. We listen actually to the NSP cover albums a lot. She loves them. She has a little boombox in her room and she puts on the albums and dances around very frequently, actually. But because of algorithmic stuff, It'll play an NSP cover and then it'll go to an NSP original. And I have to have a lightning fast finger on that pause button <laughs> because sometimes you know, come, those songs sometimes come out of the gate pretty hard. Uh, and th- th- there would be a lot of questions. Let's just say. That. <laughs> well, uh, you guys, it's been such an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you here about, you know, Ninja Sex Party, your side projects, your love of Al uh, Dan, you are currently uh, going to be touring with Game Grumps. Uh, Brian, you've got a an awesome podcast, Light and Night. Um, there's so much more to explore, so I hope we can have you guys on again sometime in the future. This has just been just an absolute pleasure for Dave and I to talk to you both. Thanks, thanks, man. It was really nice to talk to you guys too. Was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you for having us. Well, a huge, huge thank you again to Dan Avidon and Brian Weck from Ninja Sex Party for joining us for this special episode. Be sure to check out NinjaSexParty.com and Starbomb.com for their bands, as well as Dan's band Shadow Academy, Brian's band Go Banana Go, Dan's YouTube channel Game Grumps, and Brian's podcast Light and Night with Brian Weck. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota a beautiful, it's also friendly for pets. If you find yourself in or around Darwin, Minnesota, you may be asking yourself, Hmm, I need a pet? Question mark? Well, we have some good news and some bad news. Oh, oh, uh, bad news first. The bad news is that there are Zero pet stores in the city limits of Darwin. Aw, well, the good news? The good news is that there are some convenient locations nearby. Wow, like what? Well, a quick search on Yelp brings up a few pet stores. I'm listening. Number one, Shelly's Golden's Pet Breeders. Oh, they breed goldens, like goldfish, probably? Number two, Dassel Breeder Farm. Breeder farm, so they grow breeders? Number three, Shooting Star Services. My, my my first pet was named Star. That's horrible, Dave. Number four, Companions Forever Pets. Forever Pets! Oh, how wonderful! Uh, you let me finish. Companions Forever Pet Cremation Service. What? Why is that the number four pet store? So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next pet-friendly expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. All right, Ethan, I have a surprise for you. (gasps) Are we going to interview two of the three members of the band Starbomb? No, but we do have a new sponsor. Hooray! Now, does this mean I get to finally get that hamster I've always wanted since the beginning of this episode? It sure does, Cooney, thanks to our friend and newest sponsor, Jack Bateman. Jack Bateman, Weird Al superfan and hamster sponsor. It doesn't get much better than that. It sure does. Not. I cannot wait for our catchy yet irritating hamster sponsor-related ads for episodes to come.
And we promise that none of the sponsorship will cover any of our intern Frank's associated hamster allergy medical bills. And you can take that to the bank. But Frank can't because he's not seeing any of that money. Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and our newest sponsor, Jack Bateman. Our podcast is also supported by everyone in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters, Javier, Nancy, NES Josh 64, UH Jeff, Kenneth, Scott, Zeb, Adriana, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Jake, Jared, and also thanks to our newest close personal friend level supporters, Gus and Alicia, as well as Aaron and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly and hamster-friendly, wild and wacky, and not necessarily weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your very own private RSS feed, and access to our secret episodes. And now would be a really, really good time to join if you have not already, because you will be the very first to hear our unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised Vanity Tour concert review bonus episodes. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. The unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised Vanity Tour is underway, so make sure to get your orders in today for your Discover Darwin or We Hate Intern Frank shirts. That way you can share with the world, and at least the other people at the Weird Al shows, just exactly how you feel about the world's number one Weird Al podcast, just like our friends Mike Minnick and Johnny O'Hearn did. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch or by heading on over to our brand new Discord. Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. Give it a call, and you might even hear your message in a future episode. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you're there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Bonus Episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour. Or click on Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episodes for our special bonus episode book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his book page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you are subscribed because not only does it help the podcast, but you can watch The Simpsons from 30 blocks away. Thank you once again to our guests, Dan Avidan and Brian Weck of Ninja Sex Party. Thanks to Jeremy Samples, Allison Parsons, UH Jeff Nucera, Johnny O'Hearn, Casey Fritch, Alexis Adams, Alicia and Gus Bonviri, Jackie Rossi, and Joe Jaffa. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters, and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. Hey, 
I know we keep everything family friendly on the podcast, but you know, do we need to have our intern Frank go back and censor every time we say our guest band name? No, you know, I think that's okay. Are you sure? I just can't help but think that the name is not really age appropriate. All right, well, I see what you're getting at here, Ethan, but trust me. Even though they are historically violent killers, ninja is not a bad word. That was David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 158-inch. Now available in 90,000 watts of Dolby Sound. Yeah, and to and to bring it back to Weird Al, since you know this is a Weird Al podcast. Oh yeah.